I'm Amy Spropolis, guest hosting Mid-South Viewpoint for Byron Tyler on assignment in Branson, Missouri this week. Be sure and join Byron next week to hear some exciting shows, things you and your family can enjoy on vacation this Christmas in Branson, Missouri. Now let's talk about education. As a mom, as a dad, as a caregiver, everyone wants a quality education for their child. But the reality, in Memphis and Shelby County, so many moms and dads and parents and caregivers are really just having a hard time paying bills, putting food on the table. What if financially there were no barriers? Some say that is coming to the Mid-South and to Memphis and Shelby County in the form of what is called an Education Savings Account. For short, that stands for ESA. You've no doubt heard about it in the news. Today, we are going to delve deep into what is entailed in an ESA and more specifically tell you about informational sessions that are coming not only for educators, but for parents. Joining us today is the head of school of New Hope Christian Academy, Lionel Cable. Lionel, thank you for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much, Amy. I'm just super excited to be here. Well, this is no doubt something that is very exciting because when we start talking about education, there is not a parent out there that doesn't want the very best for their child. So tell us a little bit about what ESAs are. Well, an education savings account is the new form of vouchers. Vouchers have been around probably for about 20 years, not in Tennessee, but in other states. And basically it allows public dollars to be used to fund a child's private education. However, an ESA is so much greater than that because a voucher locks a parent to using those dollars for a private education and education savings account. A lot more flexibility, so it can be used for tuition at an independent school if the parent wants to homeschool. Uh, They can use those funds for that. They can use the funds to support the child's education, whether that is educational technologies or tutoring, even transportation. So it's wide open in terms of what a parent can actually use those dollars for. Who is eligible for these education savings accounts? What you and I know is that public education in Memphis, it's failed for quite some time. And, you know, I go back to Martin Luther King's speech when he mentioned the fierce urgency of now. I think we can all agree that there is a crisis in Memphis, and that crisis is children are stuck in subpar schools. And Governor Lee really took the bold step to help parents you research ESA's eligibility requirements, it's really based off of income, but then also household size. So I encourage all parents, even if you don't think that you fall within those guidelines to receive an ESA, I would look and it tells you right there on the website. I know you're going to share that website information here shortly uh, to see if you qualify. Absolutely. And I think everyone would agree right now, specifically in education, in what's going on in the city of Memphis, we are in a crisis. Some say that this is a solid solution. Absolutely. It's going to take everybody to make this huge lift to make education better for our kids here in Memphis and across the state of Tennessee. There's so many people who are on both sides of this issue, whether or not vouchers or ESAs are a good thing. The way I view it is that it takes everybody and we need to invest in as many solutions as possible. And I think ESAs, certainly it's one of those things because this certainly is a crisis, Amy. Just a couple of days ago, they released some data on Shelby County School and how they have taken several steps back in terms of their national test data. And of Mm -hmm. course, the school system was blaming it on the pandemic 
pandemic. However, they were failing well before that. So the governor, just like I said, has a heart for kids and for education. He pulled the lever that I think is going to be the game changer for families whose children are stuck in low-performing schools. I think it's very important to point out there are a lot of myths out there when it comes to ESAs. It has been met with some controversy, so I really want to delve into that. Some people have said it steals from public education. There's been other things said. When you started hearing those things, you really took a deep dive into this and did a lot of homework. Tell us what you found. Absolutely, but I think it's best for them to also understand where I come from. You know, my mom's public educator, retired, sister's a public educator, and I was a 20-year public educator before God opened the door for me to go to New Hope Christian Academy. And I can remember back in 2018, 2019, when all of this was on the table and a decision was being made whether or not the state was actually going to fund this or not, I was an opponent until I actually got to dig into the details to see how it works and how it could benefit our children but also taking a step back to the funding model itself. So, you know, dollars, yes, they are attached to a child, but where public educators who have a problem with ESAs go wrong is they think that those dollars automatically come to the school or automatically comes to the school system. That's not the case. If the child decides to move out of state or if parents decide to homeschool or the child decides to go to an independent school in the past, those dollars just would not go to the public school. And I think it has something to do with scale. So if you have less students who show up at your doorstep, then you have to adjust your business model. So it's not stealing or taking dollars away from public education, because again, that would go with the assumption that those dollars automatically flow that way. And I'll share my experience as a principal at a public school. Every year, the first 20 days of school, we had to keep track of how many kids were actually coming to the building. They would give us a projection of what they thought, you know, who would show up at the doorstep. Then at the 20-day mark, that is when we would actually have our first reporting to the district and then to the state how many students actually showed up. And then funding obviously is based off of how many students actually showed up, you know, at the district's or the school's doorsteps. And I can remember as a principal, if we were under the projection, we needed to adjust inside of our building how many teachers were there. Because if we didn't adjust, we'd have more teachers than we actually had students. Therefore, you're actually wasting public dollars if we did not do that. Again, I can remember every 20-day mark, we would report whatever the attendance is, and then based off of the year, we would set the course for all of our faculty and staff, how many we needed, based off of that number. So if children did not show up on our doorstep, I never took it as, well, someone stole that -hmm. child or they stole that money. No, that child just never showed up, and we just have to plan for how many kids we actually have in the building. I think public educators are afraid of letting go of, honestly, that control, and it's the control of you know, since we are publicly funded through taxes, then all of that money should come to us. And that's not really how it works at all. Parents deserve a choice, especially if all they have to choose from is a failing school system. And parents know best in terms of what their child needs in order to succeed. And finally, what ESAs are going to do, it's going to raise competition. 
So if public schools want to keep kids, well, you need to perform better. If you don't, then those parents need to make a better decision and a better choice to go somewhere else. So I see opening the door of opportunity for the parents who are stuck in poor performing schools because we need to do something for them right now. But then at the same time, public education's got to step up and meet the mark and they've got to have higher performance numbers than what they have right now or more people are going to have their eyes open and there's just going to be a mass exodus of public education as we see it. And I think the governor has the foresight to understand like that wave is coming, Mm -hmm. right? Then obviously there's the academic piece where there's poor performance. However, there are families who have strong religious values and schools more and more are getting outside of whatever those religious values are. Mm -hmm. So New Hope, obviously we're a Christian school and the gospel is the truth and I stand on that. But there are lots of families who don't want their child's worldview shaped by public education. Mm. They want a Christian worldview, which could be shaped, obviously, through the gospel, but a strong Christian independent school can come alongside and help with that. And, you know, obviously, New Hope is a Christian school, but there may be Muslim families out there who dislike what's going on in that public sector. And there might be a school that's built for Muslims uh, that their children would now have the opportunity to go to. So why it's a game changer? It's because it opens up choice for all individuals, Mm. especially those who are the least among us. And those who are the least among us are the ones who are, are stuck where they are because of income requirements. And like I said, the governor loves children and he sees what's coming. He sees public education failing. I think he sees this as an opportunity to say, hey, you guys better get better or your kids are going to be leaving you. And that's just really it, Amy. And it's not about politics because, I mean, being out in the circles and being in the communities and talking to people at events and at different fundraising opportunities and just in mom's day out, dad's day out Mm -hmm. circles, people are frustrated with public education. And, you know, honestly, we're at a real tipping point right now in Memphis, Tennessee and in Shelby County because the crime is up. People are angry. All you have to do to see that is get on the interstate and drive and And people want some sort of an answer and they want better for their children. But when they're struggling to pay the light bill, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not thinking about education. This could really open the door for those families. That's right. You know, Amy, I mean, the data is there. They build that school to prison pipeline. They base the number of jail cells or prisons they build based off of third grade reading data. Uh, Uh, So, I mean, there is a correlation between, I think, crime as well as Uh, those who are not educated. And for me, you know, I'm not trying to plug New Hope Christian Academy, but for us, it's about the gospel and shepherding the hearts and minds of children through the gospel, but then also high academics. And the thing is, if more families had access to high quality, whether it's Christian education or just education in general, that's the game changer for Memphis. If we want Memphis to be a, a better place, where citizens understand that they are image bearers of Christ and that we are to love our neighbors like Mm -hmm. ourselves. And we want our kids to grow up to be productive citizens who want Memphis to be better. It starts with education. You know, there were a couple of articles that came out 
really, I think this week, one that showed obviously Memphis City, Shelby County Schools, that decline on their national NAEP test data. But then in another article that I read, it's like in 2021 and 2022, I think we set a, a record for crime, if I'm not mistaken. We did. In, in this yes, city. Yes, we right? did. So for me, I view that as a direct correlation. Right. Mm. So the lower our test scores, obviously, the higher crime likely is going to be uh, because the children have nothing to lose. Yes. And I've heard educators speak about this. In the school system, you guys have these kids for eight hours. Mm -hmm. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. So the work that you can do or the work that you cannot do during that time really can change the children's lives. And I believe the people who are for these ESAs have said, you know, if we have an opportunity to help shape these young people's lives starting at age three, think of what they can do when they're age 10, 11, and 12. That's right. And I want to make sure everyone is clear. So the ESAs, you're eligible starting at SK. Yes. Um, And obviously, Amy and I will talk a little bit more about eligibility, but it starts in SK and not earlier than that. But you're absolutely right. If children are plugged into high achieving schools from the very beginning and they can continue down that track of being a part of a high quality school, you know, obviously the less likely they are to commit crimes. Um, and yes. the, the less likely they are to be desperate and the more likely they are to have doors open for them, whether that's going to college or technical school uh, or just being a productive citizen because mm-hmm. they received a high quality education. Yes. Speaking of eligibility, who is eligible to apply for these ESAs? You said SK? Right. So one, I would highly suggest listeners do your research mm-hmm. uh, because there's a Q&A on the site. And I know Amy's going to share the address. It's esa.tnedu.gov. For eligibility, SK students, technically for the state, that's the first year of a child's compulsory education. They are eligible, obviously, based on family income and then obviously the family size. But then I think what's also important to note, families who are zoned to a Memphis Shelby County school, a parent or family who is zoned to an ASD or Achievement District school, potentially eligible, and then uh, families who are zoned to a Davidson County, that's a Nashville public school, would be deemed eligible. And obviously, basically, that's dependent upon income requirements and family size and all of those things. Also, this is really open to any child who has been in a public school the year prior to you actually seeking the use of the ESA. Okay. Uh, so to make that clear, because the ESA window for this year is still open. You can still apply. So a child that was zoned to a Shelby County school last year, and they had to be there the whole year, a student zoned to a Nashville public school, Davidson County public school, a student zoned to an achievement district school, whether that's here or Nashville, because ASD is in two places, you are eligible. So I want to make that very clear. If you're zoned to a Germantown school or a Collierville school or a Millington school or any other municipal school system other than Shelby County schools and, like I said, the Davidson County or Nashville public schools and ASD, if you are outside of those three, you would not be eligible. 
Very good point. Let's talk about what people need to provide to apply for this. So the application process, it's pretty simple. It's paper-based for this year. I do believe next year things will be more streamlined and electronic. But for this first year, the parents would need to download the application from the website, print that out, and fill it out. And when I say it's simple, it really is simple. It might be five or six questions that they fill in their information, check a few boxes, and then with that completed application, you would need to mail it in to the state for consideration along with your federal tax return from 2021. And if you are on government assistance, then there's what is called a TANF eligibility letter. So you would need to submit that as well along with driver's license. And you submit all of that information. The turnaround time, it's been pretty good for us at New Hope Christian Academy. We've seen it to where it's processed in about 30 days, give or take. Oh, wow. Um, So once you actually mail it in, email it, or however you're going to deliver that to the state, they will send you confirmation via email that they got it. And then in the next few weeks, once they've reviewed that, either they're going to say it's approved or they may come back and say, we need additional information. Once a person is approved, then they would receive a pre-approval letter. And then at that point in time, that's when the parent has to work with the school their child has been accepted into. Because again, you want your child to be accepted into a private school unless the parent is going to do homeschooling. So that's when you would engage that private school that accepts ESAs, and they would then guide you through the rest of that pre-approval process with the state. Very good. So Mm -hmm. how many ESAs are available for the upcoming school year? The last I heard, uh, it was 5,000. And of course, this window of opportunity opened up in early August, and it's still open right now. I'm not quite sure when they're going to close it for this year. And they have yet to say when the application process for the next year is going to open up. But it's not too late, parents, right now, if you want consideration for the winter of 2022 for an ESA. I love that. I want to point this out, too. They do verify your income through a federal income tax return and what you were just mentioning, that temporary assistance for needy families letter of Mm -hmm. eligibility. And I think there might be people out there that even think, I don't know if if my children are eligible for this, but you really would say you need to apply because it's very possible you may be. Right. Just give it a shot. And like I said, on the website, it gives the income scale. And I want to be very clear that income scale is also tied to the number of people inside of the household. You may well make six figures, but you might have 10 people in the household. So they take that into consideration, which is why I think people need to do their due diligence uh, to see if they qualify or not. Tell me what the difference is between an ESA and a voucher. Yeah, a voucher, again, can only be used for tuition at an independent school. Okay. An ESA is so much more than that. One of the options obviously can be used for tuition at an independent school, but it can also be used for a parent that has been homeschooling their child or interested in homeschooling because then you've unlocked $8,192 that can be used to purchase curriculum or other things needed to enhance that child's homeschool education. It can also be used for transportation to and from school, not childcare, but transportation. It can also be used for education technology, tutoring, 
and or if that child needs services of some sort, such as speech language, pathology type services. So it really just opens up a door for parents to make the best decisions for their child's education. And I think I'd be remiss also without saying, Amy, that no, $8,192 would not cover complete tuition at a school. It's not. However, Mm -hmm. 100% of independent schools that I know offer financial aid. And that's where Mm -hmm. that gap can be closed. So if you walk through the door with an $8,192 ESA, and let's say tuition is $16,000, well, that might leave an $8,000 gap that's there. That's when you would then apply for financial aid from that particular school, which should then lower that amount even more. New Hope, as an example, our tuition is $12,500. A child walks through the door with $8,192. So 99% of our families receive financial aid, and the financial aid is already based off of family size and family income. So we would work really hard to close that gap. For instance, at New Hope Christian Academy, tuition is $12,500. The least a parent pays for us would be like forty dollars a month. Mm-hmm. So we would work really hard to leverage the eight thousand one ninety two that they bring through the door. But then our financial aid and financial aid model will come on top of that to make sure that education is affordable for the family. Do these families need to reapply each year? Yeah, great question. So you do have to re-up every single year because okay. your income likely is going to change every single year. If they have siblings? If they have siblings, I've not read that there is sibling preference or anything like that. So I think parents, you just always have to apply for each individual child. And then you also have to reapply every single year. What I do also think is really good about ESAs, yes, there's an income requirement for every year, but there is not an academic requirement. Okay. That's a game changer. That is big. Right right? So for me, I wasn't a great test taker. And my grades didn't improve until I actually got in college. I was a very bad test taker. (laughs) I was a bad test taker and I I would say a mediocre student through school until Mm -hmm. I hit college and, and, you know, that light bulb went off. But for a student that might not be the best academically, this opens the door for a family. So now it's not based off of your GPA and attendance and all of those things. Now, obviously, each school is going to set the admissions process. Every independent school has that. So parents will just need to do their due diligence to research admissions processes. However, in order to receive the ESA, performance has nothing to do with it. Now, I will say, Amy, that one of the requirements for a family in order to receive an ESA for their child is that if that parent decides to use the ESA for an independent school like tuition, that child has to take the TN Ready or TCAP starting in third grade. So we'll use my New Hope students who will be coming in on an ESA this year. We're starting in senior kindergarten with ESA families. So that SK student or kindergarten student, they won't take the TN Ready until third grade. But that's a requirement from the state. I mean, obviously, there's not a lot of just say uh, in terms of how that particular school needs to, to perform, we have to submit all of our scores to obviously the state so that they can keep an eye on that. But then that's where parents need to think also, if the school I'm sending my child to and they're not performing there, then this is probably not the right school where I need to be. So again, I think it's about parents controlling their options instead of someone else saying, no, it needs to be this. 
It sounds like this is really about putting the choice back in the parents' hands. Absolutely. So let's talk about, will the Tennessee Department of Education monitor these funds? Yes. So schools will have to be audited every single year. And since these are public dollars, I'm I'm almost certain that it's going to be open record in terms of how many ESAs are at a particular school, you know, and that's just good accounting practice. So schools will be held accountable, but then also parents will. So since this is an education savings account, you know, receipts and how the dollars are spent obviously are going to be monitored by the state closely. So parents, there's accountability on on your end, but there's also accountability on the school's end uh, through oversight and monitoring by the state to ensure that those dollars are going exactly where the state intends for them to go. Wonderful. Closing remarks, Lionel. Amy, this is a game changer for Memphis and honestly our state. I've been in education for about 22 years now, and there truly is a crisis. And the crisis is not just in a bubble in terms of just Memphis, Tennessee. It's all over the United States. Um, And I think parents are now becoming aware and they're ready to fight back because public education, it's failing. It's failing our kids. And if we don't do something, there's going to be generations of failure and we don't have time for that. Going back to what I said, Martin Luther King's quote of the fierce urgency of now, we better do something or things are only going to get worse. Um, Now, obviously, from my perspective as a head of school at a Christian school, you know, there's power in the gospel. And honestly, that's the biggest crisis. It's the lack there of. More people need to know about Jesus and him dying on the cross for our sins and him just loving us and us being image bearers of him. Uh, But then the other piece is academics. And I think right now, parents, you have control more now than any time in history. There's choice. You know, parent kids don't just have to go to the school inside of that neighborhood. Your income does no longer dictates where Mm. your child has to go to school. Parents just need to be um, armed with the right information because the tools are now out there. I mean, I do think that this is a fight that everybody is going to have to fight at some point. It's coming to your doorsteps, whether that's through crime or a doctor who is inept and does not know what to do. I mean, it's coming to your doorstep, which is why we have to do something now. So very thankful for the governor and, you know, everybody that passed this into legislation. Excited to see what's going to happen over the next really five years in Memphis and seeing how parents leverage this gift. Absolutely. That's all I can say is it's a gift from the Lord. I I just pray that we use it wisely. Wonderful. And you can find out more information, esa.tnedu.gov. And I want to really drive this home. There are several meetings coming up here in Shelby County, Wednesday, Harding Academy, Thursday, St. Benedict, Auburndale, and then Thursday again at New Hope Christian Academy. Those are informational meetings for parents, for school leaders, so you can ask all of these questions. Lionel, thank you so much. Amy, thank you. Lastly, I got to say, if our education system rises, we all rise. That is a wonderful, wonderful point. If our education system rises, we all rise. Lionel Cable with New Hope Christian Academy, and I'm Amy Sparopoulos, guest hosting for Mid-South Viewpoint for Byron Tyler. Remember to join Byron next week to hear some exciting shows, things coming up for you and your family you can all enjoy while on vacation this Christmas season in Branson, Missouri.